Let's cut the legal jargon and get the straight talk. It's Lauren O'Brien with Legally Blonde. Better get a lawyer, son. You're going to need a good one to get you out of this one. It is time for Legally Blonde with Lauren O'Brien. She joins me in the studio again today. Good morning, Ms. O'Brien. How are you going? Good morning. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks. Oh, yeah. that's good. What have you been up to? Any exciting law things happening? Mm. No. What you mean? Life's boring this week. Mm, no, I'm, I'm. That's just me processing what I could actually say. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, life is never boring. I was going to say life's never boring with you, is it? Absolutely never, not. Never. Actually, I had an interesting last week. I um, I had someone that was so violent and aggressive in the cells that I had to leave the room. And correctives had to come in, so that doesn't happen very often at all. But people are under a lot of pressure. They're very stressed mm. when they've been locked up. If they've got some hardcore drugs on board, um, if you tell them something that they don't want to hear, like this is show cause, your history is very long, mm. you've now been done for some serious violence, um, I'm just letting you know that I'm not sure that I'll be able to get you bail. I think it's going to be very problematic. Is that you or me going off? Uh, yeah, that's just me going off. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I was actually frightened. This that's, week? that's really interesting because we've had the conversations uh, this week. Um, firstly, around uh, we, we discussed with Sonia Hornery on Monday about a nurse, um, a junior nurse who was assaulted out at the Mater Hospital um, oh, no. and going to, you know, the, the, everyone's got the right to go to work and feel safe. Mm. We had that poor man who was, uh, who was injured at Coles out at War's End as well, who was bashed. What? Just doing his own job. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Um, you know, and now you, this, that's the third person yeah, in, but except, with, you domestic, know, it, with you know, some form yeah. of violence. I mean, the thing is, it is part of my job, mm. right? So you're always... You know, that's kind of what I signed up for is I'm on the fringes of society with people who are, you know, it's, it's not your everyday person. Mm. Um, but this guy stood up and thumped the – so when you sit down in the cells, um, basically there's a big thick piece of glass. So I go in one side, correctives lets me in, and it's all high security. So you've mm. got a buzz, come in. Um, they put you into a, a room. So there – if you can just imagine, um, pretty much like this studio, actually, it's just door after door after door. You go in, and there is usually two seats. So there's a little desk, and I sit there, and they bring in the person who's been held in custody through another door. Mm. So I can see them come in the door, they're in handcuffs, and they sit down, unless they're really agitated. Some of them stand up, mm. and I then talk through. G'day, mate. You know, my name's mm. Lauren O'Brien. I'm working for Legally Legal Aid today, or if it's a mm. private matter, you know. Um, they've usually got the cops to call me or whatever. Mm. And bail's tricky because you can't talk about the, the substantive stuff. So the story in the fact sheets, it's not really about we don't have time to process it and it's not about that. Um, bail is given on the balance of probabilities, not beyond reasonable doubt. Mm. So when they start going, yeah, but she made me do it or I didn't do it, no, 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 that's, I don't agree with it. You say, look, mate, I, in time, um, you know, I'll hear the story, but right now I have to just focus on bail concerns. So mm. going before a magistrate or a bail authority, um, they're just going to want to know, if they let you out today, are you going to fail to appear? Mm. Are you going to interfere with witnesses? Are you going to commit another 
offence, um, even if you're pleading not guilty, you know, mm. is the community going to be safe? Um, so this guy just clearly wasn't happy with me telling mm. him that he probably wouldn't get bail. So he stood up and was swearing and really angry and I just quietly folded up the his mm. stuff and said, I am not going to be helping you today. And he kept going and I was actually pretty proud of myself. He mm. sat down and I stood up and I gave him an earful. And I don't think any woman has actually ever stood up to this guy. He's about six foot three, mm. um, big guy. And I went upstairs and said to a, a male solicitor, um, there's a guy down there that might need some help. I, I don't feel safe doing it. Corrective had seen on the camera that he'd uh, jumped up. They said that he'd put his leg on top of the... Mm. Uh, I, di- I didn't actually recall yeah. that. I just remember he just turned on a dime, like, bang. He was just suddenly from... I mean, he was a bit agitated, but then he mm. just basically exploded. Um, and so that was enough for correctives to come scrambling around to check that I was okay. Mm. Um, funnily enough, he did not get bail. Funnily enough, uh, yeah. When the male solicitor did go and help him and... You know, this guy said apparently that he was sorry and could he apologise to me? Um, And I said, look, so the solicitor came back to the room and said to me, oh, look, he's really sorry, he wants to apologise. And I said, well, thanks for passing it on, but I'm not going to, I don't want to hear an apology straight. So that was my week. If you're asking what happened. Yeah, go um, on. Does correctives, have they always got that video? Are they always monitoring? They can't hear because it's legal privilege. Yep, they can can see. see. So as soon as they saw him... Um, yeah, it was, I mean, that's, that's a lovely thing about the job mm. is, and I said to this guy, when I stood up, I got Mr. Pointy out and I said, Oh, you did get Mr. Yeah, Pointy out. Yeah, I got Mr. Out. Pointy I said, listen yeah. here, mate, I've got correctives through each of these doors. You're in handcuffs and there's glass between us and you just scared the mm. hell out of me. Not okay, mate. Mate. Don't you love how Australians use mate? I do. When yeah. you don't actually mean mate. You just, yeah. Um. Wow, yeah. good on you. So Good on you. And then I just walked calmly out and I started tapping. Do you know yeah. about tapping? I do you know, know about <laughs> tapping, yes. I've got this friend um, who's a psychotherapist and she's taught me about tapping. If you're ever in a situation where it's you feel the blood rush, you feel the adrenaline kick in just quietly. So I just, just tapped it out, mm-hmm. tried not to let it get to me. And it wasn't personal. Mm. You know, it's not personal. These people are in... It's a horrible time of their life and, and mm. you know, you're you're the brunt of that. You're the person who says you, you probably won't get bail. Well, yeah. bang. Yeah. But it's not it's not acceptable at any time. Wow. So anyway, that was my week, but I'm fine. Jeez. Went to Bunnings, had some Bunnings therapy. Oh, I love Bunnings. Got a worm farm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Well, we have been talking. Had a rehearsal. Yeah. yeah. So you we, balance it with. Exactly. And we've talked about that before, haven't mm. we, when I, I did my little intervention in your life a few uh, a few months yeah, back. That's great. You know, we, we do need to find that balance between what we do and, uh, and and having that downtime. And as you say, go and get that worm farm. Put your, put your hands in the dirt. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's my medicine. Anyway. Good, good on you. Wow. Yeah. I, as I said. We I, weren't going to talk I, about I, that, were we? No, but, but that's okay. There we went. That's okay. Now, we have had a very high-profile Sydney judge uh, who was presiding over the fraud case that was involving Guy Sebastian's former manager, and he has died. It, it was Judge Peter Zara. He was rushed in an ambulance to Sydney's Royal Prince Alfred Hospital on Thursday after suffering a stroke. 
and he very, very sadly died. Now, Zara is very, very well known and hugely respected because he has ruled on numerous very high-profile cases, Mm. one of which was the child sex conviction uh, of Hey Dad star Robert Hughes. He was thought of very highly from what I've been told, Lauren. Well, the the person who gave me the worm farm is um, a very prominent criminal solicitor in Newcastle. (laughs) He and his wife are moving uh, into a smaller unit and so he said, you know, we can have shared custody of the worms. Mm. Like okay, that's the good. deal is I'm going to give you the worm farm, but I, I want it's to come around custody. with a jug and get the worm juice. And when I went to pick it up, um, he was he told me about it. Mm. He was very sad. You know, he said he was a really – he knew him personally, really mm. great bloke, mm. you know. But it, look, it's sad that we've lost uh, lost another – Another judge off the bench, mm. I mean, that that in itself. But uh, the reason why I bring that up is because at the time of being struck down by the stroke, he was hearing that uh, trial of Sebastian's former manager who's accused of fleecing the mm. Aussie pop star of more than a million dollars over a decade. What happens now? So we know this, this court case is, ha- is, is underway and we've got several different ways that people are saying, you know, I mean, obviously the media commentators think they know what's going on, but uh, yeah, mm. yeah, no, it's probably more likely that I'll trust what comes from a barrister. But what happens now? Because obviously well, what are we in, day two or day three of this, this case? What happens now? Well, that's a good question. So this is the way I think it will go. It's not in concrete. Um, The jury will have to be discharged and another judge will step in to do that where you're basically given your leave. You know, thanks for your contribution to the legal system. Um, You're now discharged from from your duty and they'll have to start all over again with a new judge and a new jury. Um, Wow, okay. So, and I've... And I've, I contacted a barrister mate before I came on and just mm. checked um, what she thought. Um, she seemed to think that, that the reason it will possibly go that way where you start all over again is because if a new judge were just to be slipped in now to take over the trial and continue with the same jury, they wouldn't have the advantage of seeing the previous witnesses give their live evidence. Mm. They would just have access to the transcript and reading evidence from a transcript doesn't have the same effect. Okay. So... Judge Zara may also have made some pre-trial rulings that a, that another judge may or may not agree with. Mm. Um, so there are lots of reasons why it could be troublesome to try to continue the trial. And also, it would ultimately also possibly become an appeal point for whoever loses. So that was the first thing when you said mm. to me what will happen. I thought that would be a pretty big appeal point. Mm. So if you don't get the result you want, well, you're just going to appeal it and say, the judge it wasn't a safe, uh, dis- yeah. It wasn't a safe jury um, verdict, is what mm. you could say. Um, could be wrong, but in mm. fairness, it it seems possible that it will start all over again. Mm. Welcome back to Newcastle in the Morning. We're talking with Lauren O'Brien and Legally Blonde. So, Lauren, let's continue the conversation around this trial with Guy Sebastian. Of course, we have had uh, the judge pass away. So what happens now? What does it mean? And uh, why do we potentially have to start all over again with this court case? You have things called voir dires where the jury's not there and you will basically have legal arguments with the judge about what sort of evidence could get in, what's going to be admissible, what what might not. Mm. Judge Zara may have made some decisions on that that another judge might not. Mm. Um, and he And it's called being part heard. So... If I appear before um, a magistrate or a judge and 
just for an argument's sake, uh, you know, the end of the day happens or uh, a fresh custody comes in, whatever it is, if suddenly you're down the road and you have to stop it, um, the magistrate or judge will say, Ms O'Brien, I will adjourn this to blah, blah, and mm. I will mark myself as part heard. That means I'm going to make sure that I'm going to finish this. Um, and so I think that logic would carry over in this Case. Well, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, the uh, the trial was adjourned, obviously, until next week when it uh, when we find out what actually will be happening. Um, and there's all sorts of uh, a conjecture in the media, of course, mm. that you know, just a, a new judge will be will be appointed and it'll continue on. But as you said, that it doesn't make sense, does it? Because it, it leaves everything open to appeal. Appeal. So I can give you. Um an anecdote, like a real life. So last week, or a few weeks ago, I ran a sentencing matter. It was a it was a huge day. I had written submissions, then I made further oral submissions. My client ultimately, and you know, I I conceded um, the section five threshold has been crossed, and no other punishment other than a full term of imprisonment ought be served. But my submission was. Um, I you know, respectfully submit this ought be served by way of an intensive correction order, which mm-hmm. means my client could stay in the in the community um, under strict conditions, but he would it, – it's it's known as a full-time term of imprisonment, mm. which means if you – and we've talked about this before – if you do anything wrong, you're back. The State Parole Authority can revoke it mm. and you're straight into prison for the whole sentence. Right? I can't help you then. The court mm. can't help you. It's out of their jurisdiction. Mm. Now, he so he gave me – um, another date two weeks in advance. So I had to go back in front of him because he was marked as part mm. herb, but the prosecutor had changed. So the prosecutor um, that I was chatting to, nice bloke actually, but, you know, really hard when it comes to, you know, he said to me, you know, so well, we're actually just chatting quite nicely before mm. the magistrate came on and he said, oh, and by the way, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to clearly object to him having an ICO. Um I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so he stands up and says, well, oh, you know, I I strongly object, blah, blah, blah. And the magistrate said, Sergeant, these, the prosecutor that was in this matter, um, it's on the record as him saying uh, he didn't wish to be heard against Ms O'Brien's submissions. So when I made the submission, mm-hmm. this, this, the prosecutor, when the prosecutor says, I don't wish to be heard, it means I'm happy with what you've with put what forward. Yeah. So this prosecutor was now trying to up the ante on my client. And the magistrate, who is a very good magistrate, said, in fairness to the defence, Sergeant, it's already been put on the record that the police aren't going to push for it. Mm. So he kind of vacillated and the magistrate said, do you want an opportunity to go and talk to the other sergeant? And, of course, he had to. Mm. You know, He said, oh, yeah, okay. So he goes and comes back and he said, I don't wish to be heard. Now, that, mm. of course, is because the magistrate was curing my future appeal if, yeah. if it then went that way. So... Wow. Mm. Okay. So how'd you go? Did you get it? Yeah, mate. <laughs> got the ICO. Of course you did. Jizzy was a lovable client. Some of my clients are just so lovable. This guy had a – oh, look, I shouldn't actually describe him too much no, because people careful. might – Yeah. But um, he looks like, you know, he's fantastic, bit of a character, and turned up in court, bless him. So originally he wanted to plead not guilty, not guilty. And then I said, mate, there is a CCTV because you've got such a prominent look. It's kind of the equivalent of if you had a map of Australia tatted on your face and you say to me, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then you see a CCTV with, yeah, someone with – it's not like your everyday tattoo. Mm. So he's got such 
a look. And he arrived in court, yeah, wearing the same shoes, wearing the same. I thought, you know, I know that you steal things and you're, you know, you're a bit of a, you call him a larrikin. He doesn't do anything that's, I mean, I don't want him to steal my stuff. Mm. You know, it's awful to have your stuff stolen. But he's not, he's not a violent man. He's just, but he's just had such a long history that, you know, that's why it's the Section 5 threshold. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. You got <laughs> it's it. It's funny. Some of the clients I do get a real affection for. Mm. It's, uh, and I bet there's some that you don't. Well, Mr. Yeah, Mr. In Mr. Last aggressive. Week. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, it's not it's not good at all. Now, listen. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what is uh, what the actual court case is that uh, the guy Sebastian is uh, is bringing against his former manager. What do uh, what do you know about this uh, this case that's going on? Uh, well, I know it's about embezzlement um, and larceny. So embezzlement. I do a lot of work with larceny. I've never actually done a, a case with embezzlement. Mm-hmm. Embezzlement is an offence under Section One Five Seven of the Crimes Act. Um, it carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. Okay. So that's why it's upstairs in the district court. Mm. You'll note Judge Peter Zara, you'll see him in his red and beautiful mauve district court outfit. And he's Sorry, got his little... Outfit, his robes. Little... Can you believe I just called yeah, that an no. outfit? I do apologise. And he's got his little um, wig on too, doesn't he? Does he wear the little wig as well for that? Well... Or just the other coloured ones? It's probably disrespectful saying little wig and, a, and an outfit. So I'm going okay. so to withdraw all let's that. Let's withdraw that and, withdraw and plead. withdraw all that. Um, yeah, he's wearing his barrister's uh, wig and his robes. Um, those are the colours of the district court. So that's why it's gone upstairs is because it's got such a long um, penalty. Mm. You can only... And it's also a high-profile case. Uh, well, it's got nothing to do with mm. that. It would have started in the local court, but it would have been deemed... Um, serious enough to yeah. go upstairs. So wow. to establish the offence, the prosecution must prove beyond reasonable doubt that, one, you were a clerk or servant of the employer. So as the agent, you're a servant mm. of the employer. Two, you had delivered to, received or took into your possession property on account of your employer. So you get the funds, you mm-hmm. know. I think he supported Taylor Swift, didn't he, Guy Sebastian? So that money yeah, that, that's would it, have yeah. been released into... Um, the defendant's accounts, I'm assuming. Or, you know. It should go into – the way that it should be done is that it goes into a trust account. Yeah, so it goes into mm. the trust account mm. and then he would deliver it to Guy Sebastian. Mm. Um, three, that you did so fraudulently. So the element of fraud requires proof that, four, you dishonestly and by a deception created a financial advantage over the property of another or caused them a financial disadvantage and your actions were intent- intentional or reckless. Mm. So you could be found not guilty. So what What the defendant, he, he must have it. I'm not sure what his defence is, but mm. the defences available to you are um, that you have a claim of right over the property. Have you heard of a claim of right before? No, I haven't. So basically, hmm. So I've got a client who his boss just owed him about 11 weeks pay and he found himself with his boss's tools. He, he worked in demolition mm-hmm. and he had all these tools of his boss's. Now, instead of giving them back, he, he felt that he had a claim of right. Mm-hmm. He's going, well, this guy owes me 11 weeks and I was paid about $1,500 a week. Mm-hmm. Well, I should be able to keep his, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so it's so long. Okay. Yep. yep. So this, the agent, uh, former agent, may be saying mm-hmm. he feels there's a claim of right. Um, duress and necessity are also defences to the charge. Mm-hmm. 
I've got no idea what the defence is, but um, yeah, he's alleged uh, alleged to have pocketed money from royalties and mm. gig fees that should have gone to the singer. Um, yeah. But apparently he's argued that there's a, a clear answer for every charge. So wow. it is before the courts. Let's watch this space yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to ask you a really random one. Um, you're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. We're doing Legally Blonde with Lauren O'Brien. Have you watched Anatomy of a Scandal? Hmm. It's the... Uh, oh, the, yes, I yes. have. So is it is it accurate? So in some of those uh, those scenes, you see the barrister and the prosecution go into the little room and they put their robes on and they put oh, yeah. their wigs on. Is that true? Is there yeah. a little room? Yeah, totally. I'd say there would be in the really? old Bailey. I've been to the old Bailey, but yeah. clearly I didn't go into the... Yeah. Yeah, there'd be a robing room. Is that There's none here? You just get robed? Oh. Do you just robe in your office or...? You normally write well. Now there are strict um, rules around that, and I'll ask a barrister, mate. Could you? So if you're walking, I think you ha- if you're walking from say your office to court, I think you have to have wig and robe on, um, and also it's dependent on the presiding judge. So for instance, Judge Ellis here in Newcastle, um, he has lovely dark hair, and a salt and pepper moustache. Mm. Now, he doesn't wear his um, wig. And when I used to take kids in, school kids in, because I used to work for the um, Law Institute, Rule of Law Institute, and I used to take school groups in and we'd have judicial, off, you know, we'd have little, I'd take the kids in, we'd mm. pretend that they were the criminals and the jury and, and they'd get to ask the judge questions. Um, and one of them asked him why he wasn't wearing his wig and he said, well, it's a matter of vanity. I've still got brown hair and I like to keep my... You know, doesn't want to put a, a blonde wig on. Yeah. So when you appear before Judge Ellis, you will see the barristers in their robes, but they won't have their wigs on. Wow, okay. Um, whereas Judge Gardelman, uh, in my experience, always wears his wig and so the barristers will wear their wigs. Their wigs. Hmm. Well, if you could find out that question, because as I said, I was I was watching, um, you know, Anatomy of a Scandal and, you know, there's so much time that he's spent obviously in and around those, those rooms and... Uh, you know, and both barristers going in and getting their their garb on. I just yeah, yeah. there you go. So when you're when you're um, near the courthouse, you'll see the DPP uh, barristers come down in their robes and wigs, and they mm. come straight out of the DPP straight into court. The public defenders do the same thing, but you'll also see a lot of barristers arriving just with their lovely big navy blue barrister bags with their mm. initials embroidered on. Okay, and they will robe at court. Okay, right in Newcastle. I don't believe that there's a specific robing room, but I'm I'm guessing in Sydney, which would have all the Victorian mm. or Georgian architecture, you would have, because um, it would have been based on England's, you know, architecture of a courthouse. Well, that's your job for, for next wow. week. You've okay. got to come back and tell me whether there is a robing room. Great. Mm. Okay. Yep, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. I'll do that for you. <laughs> no worries. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time, uh, Lauren. We have uh, covered a lot of territory today, but it's uh, fascinating as always to chat with you. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate seeing you once again in person. Well, hopefully next week Legally Red will be um, I'm very much looking in a forward position to, that. to come into the studio mm. and we can talk about um, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard I would case. love to talk to you both about as that. As sick as we're all getting, as sick to the back teeth as we're mm. all getting of it, it's uh, interesting from a legal perspective. It is, it is getting more and more fascinating. Mm. There's there's no doubt about that. Well, thank you very much. You have a lovely, lovely week and you we'll too. catch up with you next week. Okay. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. That is Lauren O'Brien with Legally Blonde. You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. The information provided in Legally Blonde is for general information purposes only and should not be taken as professional advice. 
Newcastle in the Morning covers the big stories that matter the most to you. The local issues often neglected. Tracy Mack's plain talking, no nonsense approach will get your morning off right. Talking news, sport, entertainment, music, lifestyle and more. Joined by Michael Blacksland and covering what you need to know and even some of the stuff you didn't. It's Tracy Mack with Newcastle in the Morning. Weekdays from 9 till midday, only on Newcastle Live.